Lord, we pray that you would fill Anna right to the brim, that she would overflow with your energy, with your joy, with your excitement for the gospel. Thank you that it's good news. Thank you that we're free, that we're loved. And I pray that as Anna speaks, you would just be unlocking things in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Oh, it's great to be sharing with us here this evening. And we're going to be taking a look at Acts chapter 2, verses 37 to 47. A passage that will probably be very familiar to many of us. One of those famous passages, if you like, that um, that we know within the church, um, where the early church came into being. And so we're going to be taking a look at this this evening. There's so much richness that we can draw from this chapter and this account. So we're going to be delving into that. And as we do that, we'll be considering tonight that to let go is to gain. To let go is to gain. And there might be many things in our lives that we feel bound to, tied to perhaps, that we might hold allegiance to or place importance upon. Perhaps even things that we don't want to let go of or give up. But what does it mean for us to lay down all of these things, not just little bits of our lives, but all of who we are, every aspect of our lives? What does it mean to lay all of those things down so that we might gain everything in Jesus? So Nathaniel and Claire are going to come and read the scripture to us. Welcome, guys. Amazing. Thank you. Over to you. So Acts 2, um, verses 37 to 47. Nobody's finding it in the Bible, so that's fine. <laughs> um, 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wonderful. Thank you so much, guys. So 
if we just backtrack a little bit before these verses. So at the start of chapter 2, it's the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has fallen upon these early believers in Jerusalem. They were just going about their day-to-day lives, wandering around Jerusalem, working and doing whatever they were doing. Then the Spirit of God falls upon them and something extraordinary happens in the midst of their ordinary And all of a sudden, their lives are interrupted by the Spirit of God. Their lives are interrupted by the Spirit of God. And I wonder whether we can be so bold tonight together to pray a prayer. To pray a prayer where we say, God, interrupt my life. Spirit of God, interrupt my comfort, my stubborn, my prideful heart, interrupt my selfish desires, my need to be right, my need to succeed perhaps, calm spirit of God and interrupt my life. And we've sung tonight God, I surrender everything to you. God, I give my life to you. And perhaps that's an easy thing for us to sing. But I feel that God is just calling us tonight to say those words, to pray that prayer with such conviction and such belief that when we lay our lives before God and we say, come, Spirit of God, and interrupt my life, God, I lay my life before you, that he comes and that he changes us and he works miracles through us. That's just how amazing God is. It says in these verses, they were cut to the heart. When, they, when, this, when this crowd, these people in Jerusalem, when they heard this sermon from Peter, they were cut to the heart, the conviction of the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they said, what shall we do? What can we do? You know, God desires that we have daily encounters with his Holy Spirit, that his Holy Spirit might interrupt our ordinary lives every single day. The experience of the Holy Spirit isn't just a one-off encounter God desires that we have those encounters every day. And as his spirit moves in our hearts and lives, that we would know that conviction, that conviction that changes the course of our lives, that conviction that changes the decisions that we make, the things that we prioritize, the things that we place importance upon. And that conviction leads us to that response of what can I do? for you, Lord. And I wonder what would happen if every single one of us in this room every day woke up and said, what can I do for you, Lord? I wonder what would happen. This passage talks about repentance and I felt drawn over the last week to this word. And maybe it's a word that we avoid or we don't really talk about. It's one of those Christian words that perhaps feels a little bit uncomfortable, maybe a bit negative. 
But here in this passage, we see this crowd of believers that were responding to the message of salvation that Peter shared with them. We see their repentance that led to this new way of living where the Spirit of God was able to break out in their midst. Repent quite simply means to change one's direction, to turn away from and to turn towards. And I sense in my heart that tonight God is just leading us and convicting us and interrupting us in such a way where we would turn away from maybe the things that hold us back, the things that cause us to stumble, the things that perhaps get our attention and take us away from Jesus, that we might have the boldness and the courage and encounter that conviction of the Spirit tonight so that we might turn away from and turn towards. This passage demonstrates that Repentance is full of hope because it means that things don't have to stay as they are. It means that we don't have to remain as we are. That God is in the business of changing us and shaping us and molding us into his likeness. That we might begin to look like Jesus. Isn't that an incredible thought? Repentance opens up the way to hope, hope that a change, a shift, and a breakthrough can come. But this is a a daily choice, a daily choice that we choose to make, a daily act of surrender that by God's grace, we can come to him again and again and again and live that life of repentance, that life of turning away from and towards so that we might live by his Holy Spirit and see him doing incredible things. This life of repentance that we're called to as followers of Jesus isn't about living under a cloud of guilt and shame that the enemy might heap upon us. But it's about the conviction of our hearts. Psalm 51 says, and speaks of a broken and contrite heart. It's not just about the outward signs, but it's about what's going on in this inner world. For these early believers, the posture of their hearts changed radically. And look what God did amongst them. These were the very people that had crucified Jesus. And yet their hearts were turned towards recognizing him as their Lord and their Messiah. What outrageous grace from Jesus that were displayed towards them. And so this gift of repentance is the demonstration of God's abundant grace over our lives. It's a true gift from God. It's not about what we can do for ourselves but about what Jesus does for us. And when we continually, daily fall to our knees and surrender our lives and repent and turn away from and turn towards Jesus, there is such freedom, such joy, such life that we can experience together. And so their repentance led to this 
um, this consecration, this yielding of their lives, this laying down. Consecration perhaps is, is a word that we don't use very often. It feels perhaps a bit of a religious word, a bit of a traditional word, but actually it's a beautiful word that basically means to wholly dedicate yourself to God, to be set apart, designated for a special purpose. And this is what God desires for every single one of us because he has designed us and designated us for a special purpose. We are a people that he calls and chooses to be set apart for him. Romans 12 verse 1 says, I exhort you therefore, brothers, through the compassion of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, we're just simply saying, Jesus, I'm here for you. I am all in for you. I am no longer for myself or for the world or anything else. I'm all in for you. I don't know if you've ever tried to do things in your own way, tried to do things in your own strength. Or thought that you know better than God. So we end up telling him what we think he should do. What we think is the best for our lives. I know I've certainly been guilty of all of these things. But in laying down, in the laying down of this beautiful consecration, of this yielding of our lives, there is everything to gain. Because God has the very best in mind for our lives, so much more than we could possibly imagine for ourselves. Perhaps we might feel reluctant to this way, to this life of laying down and consecration and yielding to God. As though if we give more of ourselves to God, then somehow there'll be less of us that we lose out in some way. But it's the exact opposite with Jesus. Because as we die to ourselves, then we become truly alive in him. In losing our lives, we find him and he gets the glory. For this crowd, their repentance was the conduit through which God shaped them into this amazing, devoted, life-giving community. And through their yielding to Christ, they learned how to love one another. They learned that nothing belonged to them and that everything belongs to him. And so they were able to give all that they had away. Consecration won't always be comfortable. But I don't think God designed us to live comfortable lives. And I feel as though he just wants to come and challenge some of that comfort tonight as his spirit interrupts us. 
In the Bible, there are many examples of people who did crazy things, uncomfortable things to get to Jesus. The prostitute who crashed a party just to anoint Jesus' feet. The tax collector who climbed a tree in a suit just to get a glimpse of Jesus. The persistent widow, widow who drove a judge crazy because she fervently believed that her miracle would come. These were people that made themselves uncomfortable in order to pursue Jesus. We have a very wonderful lady in our midst, a wonderful student pastor called Claire. I don't know where she is. I'm going to embarrass her now. I did get her permission. And many of you know the lovely Claire. And she is a woman that displays, I think, really amazingly what it means to make yourself uncomfortable for Jesus. And many of you will remember our Tri-Church series that we had in September as we welcomed in all the new students to the area. And Claire was passionate about getting out onto the streets of Kingston and meeting these new students and then telling them about church and inviting them in. And she encouraged some of us (laughs) to join her. And I went out with Claire one day and she was off and chatting to everybody and so comfortable and just going up to strangers and inviting them to church. And I have to admit, there was I love talking to people, but there was a little bit of me that felt slightly uncomfortable. But as Claire put herself out there, as she felt that discomfort, as she was obedient to Jesus and just went out there and was bold and courageous, actually the fruits of that were incredible. And maybe some of you are even sat here tonight because you met Claire on the streets of Kingston back in September. You know, this this consecration, this yielding doesn't have to be a one-off, big, dramatic moment in our lives. It can be just the laying down in the day-to-day realities of our lives. For for those crowds that Peter spoke to, they were just going about their day-to-day lives in Jerusalem. And the Spirit of God came and interrupted them and changed the course of their lives forever. God doing the extraordinary through the ordinary simply because we have allowed him to have his way. Jesus is raising the bar on the way for us to live. He's saying this is how it could possibly be be if you lay down your life, if you lose it's all. If you turn away and turn towards, you will gain everything in me. And you will know such freedom, such joy, such love. And as we do that, we encounter and experience the Holy Spirit changing our hearts. This is the gift of the Spirit that as we lay down our lives, this Holy Spirit changes us and shapes us? Are our hearts open tonight to that conviction that brings change in us? This means that we don't get to call the shots. It means that God gets the final word. In the garden, 
of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus yielded himself to his heavenly Father. And three times he prayed this prayer of consecration. Yet not my will, but yours. Yet not my will, but yours. I wonder what's your garden of Gethsemane tonight. Your place of saying, Lord, yet not as I will, but as you will, Lord. Maybe take a moment to imagine yourself in that place of yielding, of utter surrender. Can we take that step together tonight? Lord, not my will, but yours, and ask that by his grace, we may live surrendered to his will every day. sense that the Lord tonight is just drawing us towards a laying down of our lives afresh for him to this place of beautiful surrender where we let go in order to gain everything in him maybe you just want to close your eyes and Open up your hands before you and just say, Lord, I want to give all of myself to you. Have your way. Lord, give me your grace to pray that prayer every day. Lord, I surrender afresh to you. I surrender my will and I say, Lord, Not my will, but yours. 